What's going on? And welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Happy game day. I'm Daniel Salerson. The Pelicans welcome in the Miami Heat tonight. Final game of the first half of the regular season. Unfortunately, last night for the Pelicans, they fell to Chicago Bulls 128 to 124. We'll recap that later on in the show, but I want to welcome in Tim Reynolds, who covers the NBA based in Miami for the Associated Press, also covers the Miami Heat. Again, as the Pelicans will welcome in the Miami Heat for the final time this season. Tim, how are you? Good to talk to you. I'm doing well, Daniel. How are you doing? Uh, we're pretty good. Pretty good. Um, let's talk about this Miami Heat team. The last time these two teams played uh, was Christmas Day. So only two games into the season. A lot has changed for both teams. Um, so what has changed for Miami since then? Obviously, a, lo- a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, pretty much everything except the roster has changed for Miami. I mean, it, like every team, I mean, they've been through so much. I mean, they went through, you know, they, they've been through COVID. And that was hellacious for this team. Um you know, I think Spo has used 17 or 18 different starting lineups, which is not terribly atypical for him, but it hasn't been because he's tinkering. It's been out of need for, for the most part. So, um, you know, they haven't found their rhythm defensively. They are still very inconsistent offensively. Duncan Robinson is still adjusting to the way teams are changed. Teams figured him out. So now it's on him to counter and he's getting to that place. Um and now on top of everything else, they've got the injury bug. You know, Jimmy Butler is dealing with a knee. Bam Adebayo is dealing with some knee issues. They haven't had Avery Bradley. Goran Dragic has been up and down because of health. Um, losing Myers Leonard for the year. People look at the stats and they're like, what does Myers Leonard mean? Myers Leonard means a lot to that team. Look at what he did last year for them on the defensive end. So like everyone, Daniel, I mean, they are they're a work in progress and they've got a million excuses and the league doesn't care though. The, the, the games just keep coming. Um, tonight's a big one for them. Mentally, they have a chance to go into the break 18 and 18. That's a big difference between 18 and 18 and 17 and 19 It's such a huge deal. Uh, New Orleans trying to wash the stink off the clunker that was last night. Um, usually in the game before the break, you see teams that are kind of on vacation already. I don't think you will see that tonight from either club. No, I think it should be a fascinating game tonight, that's for sure. But you talk about all those things that have gone wrong for Miami, but they've also won six of seven. What has been clicking in the last seven games? I know they had a clunker of their own against the Atlanta Hawks, but before that, they've won six in a row. What's changed for them uh, during that streak? They'd gotten some rhythm because they had, for the first time all year, a little bit of continuity. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler played in five of those games. Jimmy Butler didn't play in the two games against Atlanta. They were somewhat fortunate to win the first one against Atlanta and then you know, then they just had, you know, they were never, it was a close game, but they were never really in it. I mean, they, they didn't, they did not deserve to win on any level uh, Tuesday night against the Hawks. They're just so much different with him. He gives such, such an air of confidence in knowing that he was at that place again, where you can give him the ball on the wing and he's either going to get a layup, draw the foul or both without him. They don't have that. So that, that that's what was going right. He just makes the game so much easier for everybody else. Without him, you see the immediate and like free fall levels of of regression. Um, You know, as we sit here right now, he's questionable. Um, He is on the trip. That tells me that it's probably a better chance than most that he's going to try to give it a go. That was going to be my next question. I was thinking with the, with the all-star break coming, that gives him some more time to rest. So maybe he would be able to play um, especially with it, the last game of the first half of the season. Um, Tim, what were expectations like for this team heading into this season? Because obviously they were a team that made that huge run in the bubble, making the NBA finals. Um, 
were those expectations the same this year or did they were they a little bit different just based on you know a, a shortened year um a tr- different training camp obviously this team has some more continuity than others but also they they got hot at the right time inside the bubble so were expectations a little different this year uh compared to how they did last year in the bubble well, internally, no. I mean, internally, they they came into the season and, and still, I mean, the expectation hasn't changed now. I mean, they, they are still trying to position themselves to get back to the NBA finals and, and they believe they can get there. Um, I think in a weird way, they're somewhat fueled. I mean, they always say like the outside noise doesn't matter, but it, it, it obviously does. When you say that, you're telling the world, we, we like the noise. Um, th- there is a chip on this team's shoulder that, because of, you know, the bubble bounce that they got last year. I mean, let's face it, the bubble was sort of made for the Heat. It, the, the Heat have this longtime culture, their buzzword of toughness, um, this us against the world sort of attitude. The bubble just made that perfect for them. And they were so, they were more comfortable in the bubble than I think any other team. And I think that led to a lot of their success. But let's, I mean, they outplayed Milwaukee. They outplayed Indiana. They outplayed Boston. And then Bam and Goron got hurt and didn't really give much of a chance against the Lakers, who were the better team anyway. I mean, what, obviously, there, there's no question about that. They, they still think they are good enough to find a way back to the NBA Finals. And when you look at the East standings, as we're, as we're sitting here today, there are 10 teams in the West over 500. There are four in the East over 500. Like, if they win tonight... I don't know. They could be fourth or fifth. If they lose tonight, they could be eighth or ninth. The East is such a mess. The East hasn't gotten away from them. They think with a strong second half, which by the way, they typically have under Eric Spolstra with a strong second half, they think they'll be peaking at the right time. But again, luck, luck and health and COVID are so much a part of this year. Nobody knows anything for certain, but the the internal, the internal expectation is still there. There's no surrender in these guys at all on that. For sure. You're certainly reading my mind because that was going to be my next question as far as the East. You look at Philadelphia. We, being we didn't go over these. I swear. I promise. We didn't. I know. Go well, that was going to be my question. Like, do you feel like there's anyone that has run, not run away with the East, but it doesn't seem like there's a clear cut favorite. Obviously, Philadelphia has been playing well. Milwaukee's been hit or miss. Uh, Boston, you've seen the ups and downs. Well, I mean, do you feel like there's anyone in the East that you could say, all right, that's the team to beat right now? Well, it's Brooklyn. And, and, I, and I say that with no disrespect to Philadelphia. I mean, yeah. what Philadelphia has done all year, what Doc has done in year one there, Daryl Morey came in and made some big moves. And I did not think it was going to work out quite like this. So, so good for them to find a way to get this done. This is the best basketball Joel Embiid has played. Um, you know, Brooklyn, everybody has the same assessment and, and, and everybody's right. Um, you have three elite talents two of whom have not shown a great um, willingness to be lock-in defenders in the ultimate moments. Um, and at the end of the day, there is one ball. Um, that There is no, no, no plan to change the rule on that. So what will happen in the ultimate moments? It's very tough for a team. I mean, you saw it in Miami, right? You saw it in Miami in 2011 when they got, well, the 2011 playoffs, when they got LeBron and Chris and Dwayne together in the postseason for the first time, it's really tough to figure it out with elite talent. Um, Philly, you know, Joel and Ben have been together for a while, and I think that gives them a little bit of a weird edge over Brooklyn in some regards because you don't know until you know, and it's tough to learn on the fly in the playoffs. Um, But broadly, outside of those two, the East is so up for grabs. Boston is wildly inconsistent. Miami has been wildly inconsistent. 
Um, throw the rest of them in a hat. I mean, what the Knicks have done to this point is great. And they're, you know, they're already drawn up the parades in Manhattan for those guys. They're a 500 team. I mean, it's a nice story, but they're a 500 team. Someone in the East is going to get hot and they're going to go from like ninth to third in the second half. You watch the East is what the East usually is. The East is a mass mess. I know everyone's keeping their eye on the trade deadline, which is happening in about three weeks on March 25th. You talk about a team that has so much continuity like the Miami Heat. You think, well, do you really want to change that a little bit just to try to catch up with teams like Philadelphia or, or Brooklyn? Do you see them being active at all? Or is it just going to be if the right right deal approaches them, then then maybe they take a shot at it? Or do you feel like they, they stay where they are? Um, I think the answer to the first two parts is yes. I do think that I do think they will make moves because again, they they believe that they have a core that's good enough. And listen to what Eric Spolstra has said from time to time. Like they have Jimmy Butler, and he has used the term, I'm not quoting him exactly, but you get the idea of it. They feel like they owe it to Jimmy Butler to put a team capable of winning it all around him every year. They don't want to waste this window of his career. Um the moves they made last year, the Iguodala move worked out so well for them, uh, so incredibly well for them. I, I do think they will make a move. Whether it's a big move, I don't know. I mean, we know the names that are out there. Blake Griffin is out there. Andre Drummond is out there. I do think Kyle Lowry is going to be a very interesting story to watch over the next three weeks. A t- Toronto, a team, by the way, that is very squarely in this East race once they get their coach and half their roster back yeah. in COVID. Um, what will they do with Kyle Lowry and his expiring contract? Will they decide that this is the time to make the move? Um, the Heat need a big. I think that's pretty clear. Do they take a look at DeMarcus Cousins? Do they take a look at, at someone like that? Um, the interesting part, though, Daniel, to all of this is like we just said, the East, everybody's in the race pretty much right now. Everybody is kind of in that race for 10th. It's like the first year in baseball when we had the wild card. Everybody thought they were in it until after the trade deadline. Weirdly, you're going to see that this year in the NBA too. You're going to see a lot of teams want to be buyers. My question is, who's going to be the sellers? If everybody's in the race, what do you do? It's going to be a fascinating dynamic on that front. Yeah, it will be a fascinating three weeks, that's for sure. Um, I know you, you pay attention to everyone going on around the league, everything going on around the league, including the Pelicans. And look, of course, the story here has been Zion Williamson making his first all-star appearance this Sunday in Atlanta, obviously taking that big leap, especially since he became playmaking Zion or point Zion, whatever you want to call it. Um, from afar, what have you seen from him that's impressed you the most uh, throughout these, this first half of the season? I see I see the maturity. I see the maturity in his game. I, I He is he's, – he's looking for his. He is reminding people – that you can still win this game in the paint and at the rim. Um, I didn't know he was this good a passer. I'll be honest. We, we all knew he had incredible skill set and incredible physical tools. We all knew that. I, I didn't know. I had, well, I'll be careful how I say this. It's not that I didn't know he was smart. I knew he was smart. I didn't know he knew the game this well. Because these elite talents, when they're in high school, high school he overpowered people. And we've all seen the clips. There's clips of five, eight guys trying to check him in the post. Like, good luck. You can't do it. So the question always was when he went to Duke, what's he going to do against guys who are close to his own size? No way his size, but close to it. Well, he overpowered those guys. Then it's, well, he can't do it in the NBA. 
Well, he kind of did. And now Stan's created this ultimate matchup problem for him by putting the ball in his hand so much and running so much through him. It's been a brilliant move by Stan and the kid has shown that he's more than ready for that role. I just love the patience he plays with. And and to that end, I love the patience that the Pelicans play with. I mean, I go back one of the, I think one of the most impressive games all year was the game against the jazz. They took 81 twos in that game. And I think just 11 or 12 threes. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. But that's the formula for this team. And credit, And by the way, you've got guys who can shoot the three on this team. We all know that. It, it, the, the poise that Stan is getting them to play with is just, to me, it's been the best part of the Pelican season. And that starts with Zion's maturation and him showing us all that he, was, that he is a pretty mature product already. It was the first time a team has won in four years with shooting just 11 threes in a game. So, yeah, it definitely was. I didn't uh, know that. Really? It, it was, they were seven of 11 from three. So, yeah, they only took 11 threes. It was the first time in four years a team has won with taking that few of threes. And also they put up 74 points in the paint against the Utah Jazz. So that was one of the big reasons why they were able uh, to get that big win. To the point, too, the best rim defender in the NBA who's not named Joel Embiid plays for the Utah Jazz too, which just makes it even more impressive what they did that night. So talk about tonight then, because obviously you're seeing a different Zion than what we saw in game number two this season between these two teams in Miami. How did the Miami Heat match up with a guy like Zion? Obviously with Bam Adebayo, you talked about um, him being banged up a little bit, but how does this Miami team try to contain Zion tonight here before the first half of the season ends? Well, I, I do think it's a matchup that's sort of made for a Zion versus Bam, at least when, at least I don't know how, if the Pelicans will cross match or not, but I know that the, you know, Bam Adebayo has the defensive gifts to guard one through five. I mean, he is, he is a Swiss army knife in that way, very much like a LeBron type in that, in that regard, not making an overall comparison, but you know, in that regard, he can guard, he can guard guards, he can guard bigs, he can I, I would be very surprised if Eric Spolster doesn't start the game if it is point Zion that, that the Heat are facing. That's sort of made for Bam. He has the lateral quickness. He has this amazing length. He can sort of match up with Zion and get in those passing lanes that Zion creates. Um, it will be a very, very intriguing chess match. Um, you know, Bam has been slowed a little bit by you know, some, I think just, I don't think they're too worried about it but aches and pains in his knee. That could be a factor to watch tonight. Um, we all know Zion was pretty angry last night. Um, I love, some guys mock when these guys go out on the court after a game and get those workouts in. I love it. It just shows they care. It just shows they care and they get it. That's how they're channeling their frustration. I think Zion's going to have a big game tonight, whether Bam's on him or not. Um, that That's what Miami will have. I mean, I, I don't know who else on the Heat roster you could check him with. I, I really don't. If, if, if you're going to run everything through Zion, which I expect Stan will. Should be a fun one tonight inside the Smoothie King Center. That's Tim Reynolds who covers the AP or covers the NBA for the Associated Press. Tim, I really appreciate the insight on the Miami Heat. Enjoy the game and uh, hopefully you get a little bit of time off here in the next week. Enjoy the break. Um, I might get maybe half a day, but you know what? I'll take it. Enjoy the break, Daniel. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Good stuff there from Tim Reynolds. Again, Pelicans and Heat tonight at 7.30 p.m. inside the Smoothie King Center. Again, on the radio, we'll have one hour's worth of programming. You can listen to Pelicans Weekly at 6.30. Todd Graffanini will talk exclusively with Pelicans Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, David Griffin. I'll have Pelicans warm up for you 
at 7. It's nationally televised on TNT, no local television. So put on TNT, turn down that volume, and listen to Todd Graffinini and John DeShazer. We're also taking all-star break as far as the podcast is concerned. We'll be back late next week. Pelicans will take on the Timberwolves on Thursday. The Cleveland Cavaliers on Friday in a home back-to-back. And they'll wrap up the home stand on Sunday night, next Sunday, against the Los Angeles Clippers. Nationally televised will be 8 p.m. Central from inside the Smoothie King Center. Hope you all have a great weekend. Hope you all enjoy the break, however you may choose to do that. And I really appreciate you all listening to us throughout the first half of the season. Until next week, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelican Podcast presented by CP.